0: Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. That's what we've been talking about the last uh, several weeks is how do we up the wattage of our life. Have you been doing that? Have you been thinking about how you can walk through this life and, and show and shine in the darkness in a brighter way? If, if the Lord could, if we could, if we could just take, take a moment and step out of the natural and see the spiritual realm what kind of brightness would be upon your life and are you up in that wattage? A number of years ago, I was invited to uh, speak at a church and do a a leadership thing for the Sunday school teachers, board members, uh, youth workers. And I drove over to the church on the morning of the event. It was a a church of about 100, 125 people. They're going to have about uh, 20 to 30 leaders there, I think, is what was going to happen that day. And I got there, and the church very nice, very well kept. And they took us, took me back to a room where we're going to meet with all of the uh, the teachers. And they had already began to gather there. And we talked for a few minutes, and starting time came. And I was seen over the side up at the front was this uh, really nice lectern. I mean, it was it was a wooden lectern. It, it wasn't like one of these black music stands that we have. It was nice looking. It was all varnished, real nice, and it was ornate. It had all kinds of things on the on the stem of it, and on, on the it was it was really really just looked beautiful. And it was sitting there at the front of the of the room for me to use when I came up. Now that was this was back in the days before you had an iPad. It was back in the days before you had those kind of tools. So I had my notes with me, and I had my Bible with me. and my big old, you know, heavy duty Bible with me, and I walked up uh, when they introduced me. I walked up to the front, and I put my Bible on the lectern, and it fell over, and I, I, I caught it, and I, I, I picked it back up, and I, I kind of looked down at the legs to see if, I, if, if something was wrong, if something had broken, if it wasn't sitting on level ground, what the deal was, and it, everything looked okay, so I set it there again and, and put my Bible on it again, And again, it tipped over. And I I suddenly realized that the way this lectern was built, it didn't have a strong enough foundation to hold basically anything. And so I I looked over at the pastor, and I actually saw one of these black stands over against the wall in this classroom. And I said, can I just get that stand and use that instead of this? And he kind of looked at me sheepishly like I'd really said something wrong. But I said, really, can I, can I do that? And he said, yeah, and he brought it out and he gave it to me and he, I said, you can take this one away, you can, get, you can go over there. And uh, he took it over to the side. <clears throat> After the first session, he came up to me, he said, oh oh man, you've you gotten in trouble. <laughs> I said, really, what did I, I do? He goes, "Well, oh, Mrs. So-and-so, her husband made that and <clears throat> you know, uh, she's here and she's gonna really be offended that you didn't use it. I said, well, it." It doesn't work," <laughs> he said. "I know, I know, but we just had to, to, to deal with that, you know." And I, I said, "Well, how do you deal with that?" He said, "Well, usually if somebody's you know teaching here, we we'll just put one piece of paper on it," <laughs> <coughs> or, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, we hold on to it with our hand while we teach. <laughs> now I try to be a good guest, you know. I try to be sensitive. I try not to, you know ruffle feathers where I don't have to but I was shocked and I just looked at him and I just said I, I'm not doing that I, I'm just not I'm, I'm gonna keep this stand. he goes she's gonna she's gonna probably say something to you I said well she can say something to me you know she can come say something to me so I I taught the second session and uh at the end of the second session we had a little lunch break and they brought out some sandwiches and things and during the break Uh, during the break at 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 that time, Mrs. So-and-so came up to me, and she said, I want you to know my husband put a lot of hours into building that lectern. Uh, And I said, I'm sure he did. It's it's beautiful to look at. It it just doesn't work. And she said, are you saying my husband doesn't know what he's doing? I said, "I'm, I'm saying it's beautiful, but it doesn't work. She so said, "Well, maybe I should just take it home in time that his work isn't appreciated." I said, man, you know I've only got two more sessions here. You can do whatever you want to do." I said, "Maybe you should take, your home, take it home and suggest that he extend the base of the legs a little bit so that when you put things on it, it actually does what it's made to do. I've never been talked to like this before in my life. I'm sure you probably haven't.. <laughs> Now, honestly, I'm, I'm not here. We could we could spend a, you know about a month talking about her her attitude and what she was all about. But what I really want to point out to you is the lectern. It was beautiful. I mean, you'd look at it. It really looked nice. It was that the man who worked on it did a beautiful job on how he did the work on it. It, it just didn't work. And so it was of no use for its intended purpose. We've been talking about being lights of the world and how we light up our world and the kind of brightness that we are supposed to show in the darkness. I want you to think about this for a moment. The very attitudes and the makeup of our nature as an individual, the very attitudes and makeup of us as a group of people can either light up the world or bring a cloud of darkness into other people's lives. So my my charge to you today is to think about this. What spirit do you bring into your world? What, What kind of nature do you bring into it? What spirit do we as a body bring into the world? Is it a a life-giving spirit or a life-sucking spirit? Is it a positive spirit of hope and life or is it a negative spirit that wears people out, tears them down? Is it an uplifting spirit or is it a whiny, why is the world always against me spirit? Why is everything so bad? Why is everything so hard? Is it a hopeful spirit or is it a dreadful spirit? And in that I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how consistent is your spirit? How steady is it? How rock solid is it? Is it ruled by the circumstances of the day? by whether things are going your way, whether you're getting your will. And as long as things are going your way, you look pretty ornate and you look pretty nice and you look pretty good. But when they don't, you fall right over. Back into the old nature. Does it depend on how much sleep you got the night before? Does it depend on how hungry you are that day? What rules and directs your spirit and how consistent is it when you go out into the world, are you even aware of how consistent your spirit is? Do you even recognize, have you even sit and said and, and noticed that, that boy, I, I'm, I'm a pretty consistent person? Or, or When you really look at it, you say, boy, I have these times when I'm really up, and then I have these times when I'm really down, and nobody kind of knows what they're getting from me. I have to get in the house for five minutes before everybody can lighten up and know what they're getting out of me or at work. I've got to get there for a few minutes before they know what's coming. Because I'm telling you, a bad attitude puts a dimmer switch on your wattage. An inconsistent spirit puts a dimmer switch on your wattage and therefore on the wattage of the kingdom. I I want you to think about how the spirit works through us. We're given an idea of what our spirit should be like, a picture of what it should be like in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5 it says this, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, talking about the capital S Spirit, the Holy Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. See, many people are just like that stand, like that lectern. Boy, when it's sitting up at the front of the room, and everybody's looking at it, it looks good. It's ornate. It's got all the, the, the glimmer on it and the shine on it. And you look at that and you say, boy... Isn't that a nice lectern? Isn't that person together? Don't they have their act together? They know how to walk in the church on Sunday and put on the act, put on the smile, do all this stuff, and they've got it together. And everybody looks, oh, wow, they have it going on. But the first time pressure hits, the first time a trial comes, the first time any weight rests on them, it just they just tip over back into the old nature, back into the old person. When our life is inconsistent, it lowers the wattage of our life. Now what attacks us? Well, one of, the, one of the ways that comes on us is temptation. Temptation to keep repeating our sins, going back to our desires. Temptation to lose our temper. Temptation to give in to the feelings of our our heart at any given moment. This is what James says about temptation. He says, When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. The issue with temptation is our desire. That's the issue. See, you, you could come in here today and you could put a plate of liver in front of me and I could stand here all day long and not be tempted by it at all. I have no desire. You walk in here today and you put a bowl of M&M's here, I'm eating them while I'm talking to you. <laughs> because I have a desire. Our temptations are about our desires. And when our desires haven't been healed by the power of the Spirit of God in us, we're going to give in to those desires, and our life, even though we're trying to act like a Christian and be a Christian, we're going to be up and down, back and forth, inconsistent, because we're going to, from time to time, get dragged away by our evil desires. And so our desires have to be dealt with. The Spirit of God, we have to recognize what our, des- what our evil desires. What tempts you? What is it? What draws you? And it may just be to have a mean mouth. It may be to get caught up in pornography. It may be a sexual sin. It may be uh, an addiction. But whatever that... That is, at the core of who you are, that's got to be dealt with. You've got to build things into your life to protect you, but not only do you have to build those in your life, you've got to begin to seek God to heal you of that broken desire, of that sinful desire, to take it out of your life so you look at it like I look at a plate of liver. No desire. Don't want to go there. Don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that gossip. I don't want to be that mean-spirited person. I don't want to be that unkind person. I want to be what God would have me to be. You've got to begin to deal with that in your spirit and invite the spirit of God to come in and heal you and give you a spirit of self-control so that thing doesn't keep rearing its head in your life and an consistency comes in your life that lowers and dims the light of your life. The other thing is trials. Now, this is supposed to be good news, but I'm going to to tell you some bad news. You will have trials. Did anybody not know that already? You will have trials. I don't care how holy you get. I don't don't care how much you're, you know, you read the Bible or come to church. You're going to have trials from time to time. Things are going to happen to you that you don't like. You're not always going to get your will on this earth. You're going to face trials. The question is, how are you going to face them? Are you going to face them in anger and frustration? Are you going to face them with doubt? Are you going to face them with anger at God and anger at others? How are you going to face those trials? When things don't seem to go the way of the promises of God, are you going to keep holding on to the promises of God? Or are you going to let them go and go back and try to do it your way? That's just like the children of Israel wanting to go back to, Israel, going back to Egypt. This is what a lot, of, a lot of people say, oh, if I would have seen all the greatness of God, I would have never said, oh, let's go back to Egypt. But the first time they're tested in a trial, they give up the promise and go right back to Egypt. They go right back to the old way they did it. Instead of being faithful and saying, you know what? I'm going to be faithful and trust God that even though the circumstances don't show it right now, I'm going to trust God that his promises are true. It's the consistency of life that begins to let our life grow brighter. What, what do you do when things happen that you don't understand? When sickness comes your way, health issues come your way, and you don't God, why are you letting this happen to me? Why is this coming my way? God, where are you? What happens when somebody in your life leaves this earth before you wanted them to? Do you crumble in a heap of grief and loss? Do you, do you just get angry at God and say, I can't believe you've let this happen? God, if this is the way you're going to be, I'm not going to serve you. What happens in your life? What do people see in you when you face those moments of life? You know, I, I've come to understand in, in, as a pastor, there are, there are deaths that are, are natural. My, when my father died, he was 80-some you know, 80, 80 years old. He had been telling us for a couple of years, I'm ready to go. His body was broken down. He was ready to go. That didn't mean we, were sor- we weren't sorrowful and we weren't filled with grief when he went. But when he went, we knew he was ready to go. He wasn't, he, he, he wasn't wanting to stick around living the way he was living anymore. There's a difference between, between that kind of death and a tragic death, an unexpected death, the death of a, of a child or the death of a young person. And I remember as a particular family lost a child, and it was, it was tragic. It was an accident. it was absolutely tragic. A couple of days after the funeral, uh, my wife and I we said, let's, "Let's go see him." And we went by their house and sat down in their, at their kitchen table with them, just to see how they were doing. And I'll never forget what they what they told me. They looked at us and they said, they said to us, they said, listen, if you'd have told us two months ago this was going to happen, and asked us how we were going to get through it, we would have told you we don't know how. We don't know how we'd get through it. They said, but as we've walked through it, we have felt the sustaining power of God in our life. We have felt his strength in our spirit. We're heartbroken. We're filled with with sorrow over our loss. We don't understand it. But we sense the presence of God. That is not something you put on from the outside. That is something that has to come from the inside of us. Has to grow from the inside of us. Here is the key lesson. The nature of our light is not self-produced. If it is, we're like that stand. If we put it on ourselves, if we learn, okay, here's all the things of, of the spirit life that I'm supposed to be like. I'm supposed to have love. I'm supposed to have joy. I'm supposed to have peace. And we put it on ourselves, and we, we smile when, we don't, when we're really not filled with joy. And we tell people, how we're oh, we're doing great when we're really not doing great. And we say, how, how, how you feel? Oh, I just love everybody when you're really, really, you know, ticked off. Uh, And it's not that if you do that, the weight is going to eventually get you. You're going to eventually fall over. You're going to eventually be shown that you don't really have it. Because God's not asking us to act like we're happy. He's not asking us to act like we love people. He's not asking us to act like we have peace. He wants to grow love in us, He wants to grow peace in us. He wants to grow joy in us. He wants us to walk under the evidence of his spirit being alive inside of us. He wants that to happen inside of us. The spirit nature is not something that we put on. The spirit grows within us. How does that happen? Well, I'm going to tell you real quick. The first thing that's important is you've got to know what the spirit nature is supposed to look like. And so God makes it very clear. Here it is, Galatians chapter 5. We're supposed to love, we're supposed to have peace, we're supposed to have joy, we're supposed to be kind, we're supposed to be good. He goes right down to, this is what your nature's supposed to look like. And, and then you've got to identify in your in your life, where you have it and where you don't. Where it's natural in you and where it isn't. Where you're putting on the face but you don't have it in the spirit. You've got you to fess up to that. Look, look, get, get on your knees before God and say, where do I got it where do I don't have it? Where is it in my life? And you've got to begin to ask God to grow it in your life. Here's one of the ways it begins to grow in our life. You've got to hold on to the promises of the word. This is one of the reasons we're telling you you need to be reading the word every day. Because see, when you're reading the Word every day, the living Word of God is getting planted in your spirit and in your mind. the, The living Word of God is coming. And now, when something happens, when something takes place, and it begins to rob you of your peace, or rob you of joy... The active living word of God can remind you of his promise and you can begin to hold on to the promise of God. You can begin to hold on to that promise of God and you begin to say that scripture and say, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be mean-spirited. I don't want to be hopeless. I want to be filled with the faith of God, the peace of God, and you begin to hold on to the Word of God, and the active living Word of God begins to move in your life. I can't tell you how many times the Word of God on a key issue has poured into my life, and you say, I don't see how this is going to work out, but I trust the Word of God, but the Word of God has to be there. You have to get it inside of you, and so for me, you know, when I find myself in one of those moments where I'm struggling. This is why I love the psalms so much. When I read the psalms and I'm going through something and I don't know what the outcome is going to be, I just find all these psalms coming back at me that remind me of the steadfast love of God. How the psalm writers said over and over again, God's love is steadfast. It is always there. And I remind myself that this God who spoke worlds into existence, this God who gave us life itself, this is the God that is in control. He's not unaware of my need. He knows exactly what's going on in my life. And his love for me is steadfast. He is my refuge. He is my strength. He is an ever-present help in times of trouble and I remind myself of what the Word of God says about my relationship with God. And as I do that, it's not long until the weight of God's Word outweighs the threat of the enemy. I want you to hear this. This is just practical stuff, folks. Here, This is, this is just how, how, how you begin to live, and your life begins to brighten, and you become a, a, a person who shines and the darkness, and shows light in the world. Now here's the other thing that happens. The other thing you need to know. We have to open our heart to the presence of the Spirit. We're supposed to be led by the Spirit. We're supposed to walk in the Spirit. That The work of these, this nature coming in us is the fruit of the Spirit. The evidence that God's working in us. And so we have to open our heart to the Spirit. How do we do that? We do that in prayer. We do that by saying, "God, uh, I open my heart to Your Spirit. I want Your Spirit to be inside of me. I want You to move in me." We we do that in worship. I, I can't tell you how many times I have gone into a, a time of prayer in despair, hopeless about a set sort of circumstances, not knowing what to do, maybe angry about something. And there's been so many times I've come to that moment, upset. Hopeless, mad, disappointed, hurt. And I come to that time of prayer and I go to that door and I say, I God, I'm going in here. I'm going in here. I'm shutting this door behind me. I am not coming out until you give me an answer. I'm not coming out until you move in my life. And I go into that place and I stop And I say, God, I'm staying right here, and whether that's five minutes, 15 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, I said, God, I'm not leaving until you move in my, I'm inviting your, your spirit into my spirit. And in the middle of that time of prayer, there comes a moment when a breakthrough happens, and the peace of God, the strength of God, begins to move in my life. That's how he works in us. Now, I'm telling you, sometimes he gives me an answer. He says, go out and do this sometimes he doesn't give me an answer at all. He just says to me, I got it. Go trust me. I've been many times, woken up in the middle of the night, concerned about somebody's life, concerned about one of your lives, concerned about what's going on, concerned about a decision that's being made. Trouble enough, I can't sleep and get up, go out in the middle of the night, troubled about something going on in my life, and I'm out there kind of walking the floor, saying, God, I I need you to touch me. I can't sleep. And and sometimes, Five minutes in, ten minutes in, all of a sudden the Spirit of God moves and says to me, that's that very thing. I got this. Go to bed. I got this. Now, friends, if if, if all you get that is here, you go to bed and you don't sleep. If you get that here, you go to bed and you go to sleep. But you have to learn how to do that. Just walking the floor and calling all your friends and, you know, Talking to him about it and worrying about it and saying, what are we going to do? That doesn't get you anywhere. God's given you a hotline right into his throne room. You can talk to him anytime. You can talk to your friends. They don't know any more than you do. They don't have any more hope than you do. They may not be any stronger than you are. You can call all of them you want to and get nowhere. You can talk to God for five minutes. You bring it to God and he's going to move in your life. Now here's the other thing. I don't know how many times in my life I've been in a place where my heart is heavy, going through grief, going through loss, worried about something. And in the middle of it, sudden, you know what, I'm just going to worship God for a while. I find a song and I just begin to sing it. It leads me maybe to another song and I begin to sing it before long. I get one that just begins to resonate in my spirit. As I sing this song, as I worship God, and before long, in the middle of all that worship, the peace of God that passes understanding begins to sweep over our soul. And instead of walking in the grief, you begin to walk in the hope of God. You begin to walk in the life of God. It doesn't mean you have every answer. It means God's given you the strength to walk through this this issue of life. Listen, I want you to hear me. I am not telling you to act like you have the fruit of the Spirit. That's the last thing I want to tell you today. I am telling you to open your heart to the spirit for the growth of God to happen in your life in big things and little things. We need to be consistent lives. So when you go to, go to work or you go walk through your life and people see you going through the struggles of life with health issues or loss issues or some of the great issues of life, do they see your light shining? When there's turmoil in the workplace or turmoil in your home or turmoil in your neighborhood, are you a peace bringer? Can you bring peace to it? Can you speak peace to it? Or do you stir up more turmoil? What happens in the middle of all of this? And the big issues and the little issues. So you get up you know, here in a few weeks, You get up some day, and you drive to work. It's a snowy day. It's been snowing all night. You're getting through all the slush of the streets of Springfield, and you decide, I'm going to pull into this place here and get a cup of coffee to drink because I'm cold and the car's not warming up fast enough. And you pull into some fast food place, and, and you roll your window down you're getting ready to get your coffee and they have a little awning there and at the moment you pull up the snow lets loose falls right in your window you're tired you're hot and god has just thrown a snowball at you in that moment friend that little thing you can be mad and angry and going to work Wet and mad and angry and you know look at what happened to me today. I'm so mad. I don't want to you know with the I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. I'm angry. You, you can go in and you can put the dimmer lights on. You can you can lower the wattage of your consistency of your life. I you can get to work and stop the car and say before I go in, God, I'm going to sit right here for a minute. God, I'm tired. It's cold and now you're throwing snowballs at me. God, don't let me be a stand that falls over when the weight hits me. Let my foundation be sure. Let me laugh about this, Lord. Let me have peace in this. Let me have joy in this. Let me reflect you. Somebody says something to you that you don't like at work, And the old nature rises up and you want to fall over and say something nasty right back you can put the dimmer pack on or you can brighten up the light but you can't do it because it's an act if you're doing it because it's an act it's going to eventually crumble you're going to eventually get too much you've got to walk in the spirit you've got to let the foundation get built So maybe right now you're like that, stand. Maybe you're one of these people that you've got it all looked at, but most of the time everything looks together. But when the pressure comes, you crumble. I'm telling you, it's time to build the foundation. Think about this. Think about a world that identifies Christians as harsh, as insensitive, as bigoted, as angry, as selfish, And all of a sudden, the light begins to come up. And all of a sudden, they begin to say, you know what? All the Christians I know, they are the most loving people I've ever been around in my life. You know, like what they say or not, my next-door neighbor is the most joyful person I have ever seen. My buddy, I mean, he... We used to do all kinds of stuff together, but now he's living a different life. I don't get it, but you know what? Here's what I do get. I, I saw him as he walked through the grief of the loss of his death, and I've never seen a guy have so much peace. I'd have fallen right off the wagon, and he walked through it with a strength I never thought was possible. I, I have this guy He's so patient in, in life. And they, as they walk through it, I just see this patience, flowing through them, and it's, it's kind of amazing. You know, these Christians I know, they're, they're just the kindest people I've ever been around. They're always being kind to somebody. They're always helping somebody. They're, they do good things to people. They don't, they're patient with those who have issues, and, and, and boy, these people, are, they're, they're good people. You can count on them. They have wisdom that moves issues gently, and they never seem to lose their composure. That's what God wants to build in our nature. Think about a city filled with people who live that way, not because it's an act, but because they've cried out to God, make me like you. Make me like you. Don't let the old man and the sinful nature drag me away and entice me. Make me like you. That's what we're called to be. This is not an act of a new value system. This is a nature planted in us and growing through us by the Spirit of God. Now hear me. The first step in this is this. To recognize our brokenness, to recognize our sin nature. And to ask Jesus to save us. See, the sin nature is a barrier between us and God. We are separated from him by this nature of sin. While we were in that condition, Christ Jesus came to this earth and paid the price and tore that barrier, and two, so that anybody who would come to the cross, receive Jesus into their life, can now have new communion with God. I'm not just talking about a worship thing once in a while. I'm talking about a daily walk with the presence of God who pours into our spirit man and makes us into the image of what he'd have us to be, what we were intended to be. And when that begins to happen in us, We're not only healed for eternity, we get healed on this earth to become the men and women God would have us to be, filled with his nature. But I'm telling you, I want to hear you. I want you to hear me. That happens when you ask Jesus into your life. And then when you ask him into your life, you've got to continue to pursue his spirit growing in you, transforming you. And as the scripture we've read this, these last few weeks, we've got to work out our salvation. Look at that Philippian scripture carefully. We're saved. Now we work it into our life. It's kind of like a, a, a batter's that you're working, working something into it. It's got to get worked into our life so that that permeates us and that's who we are till every ounce of us has the flavor and the transforming power of God alive inside of us. You've got to work it out. And gratefully, the Spirit of God is here with us to do that very thing. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that God is working it out in our lives. Not an act but the default setting. That when people curse us, we bless them. When people are unkind, we're kind. When people lose control, we're in control. Not because of an act, not because of our own self-will, but because of the power of the Spirit of God moving in us. Friends, we'll turn up the light when we do that. And people will see the light of the gospel. When we do that, let's stand together Dan. let's pray. I'm going to ask prayer teams to come down to the front right now. Prayer teams, please come on down. Father, in these next couple of moments, I just pray you'd speak to us today, every one of us. And Father, help us to be, help us to have the foundation, the base, that no matter what weight falls on us, oh, that Father, that by the power of your Spirit, we would stand strong be able to take the weight and do what we were created to do. Speak to us and help us today. And Father, as there are some here that need to simply surrender their life to you to be their Lord and their Savior, I pray that today, right here today, people would cross that line of faith and put their trust in your Son and discover what it is to have a new relationship with you and hope for all eternity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask you today to do something different. I'm going to ask you to uh, uh, take a, a bold step and cross a line that maybe you're, you'll be a little uncomfortable with. I'm going to ask you before you go to look at at least one person, at least one person, and just ask them today, "How you doing?" Now wait. Let me finish before you start. How you doing? How are you spiritually with God? Have you ever surrendered your life to God? Even if you think you know. Even if you're sure you know. Ask them. Make them say it out loud. I am sure my life is right with God. And if they're not, if they they look and they say, you know, I can't can't tell you that for sure. then say to them, hey, would you like to go down front with me and, and let's make sure? I'll go with you. I'll go with you, I'll, I'll walk down the. I'll walk down the aisle with you, and we'll come down and we'll pray with somebody. And before you leave here, you can be sure. Now, if they're sure, if they're sure, now I ask them this: Okay, you, you got, you're, you're right with God. How are you doing with the nature within you? How are you doing? And, and if we have to say, you know what, I'm going through some things right now, and, and boy, it's hard for me to have joy. I'm going through some things right now and it's hard for me to have peace. I'm going through some things right now and I got some people It's pretty hard to love. Have you ever been there? Am I the only one that has some people? Some, now, nobody at Calvary, I love everybody here. But there's a few people out there I have a hard time loving. You know what I'm talking about? And you know that, when you recognize it, you gotta recognize, it. you gotta see it. You can't deny it. You gotta say, I'm having a hard time loving that person. God, that, that means I'm broken. Because while I was still a sinner, you loved me. And if I'm like you, I should be able to love them. So are you struggling with self-control? Or are you struggling with kindness? And if you are, maybe you stand there together and pray together. Or maybe you come down and let somebody else pray with you. Whatever, but, but hear me, t- take a step today. And find at least one person and ask them both those questions. Then let them ask you those questions. All right? God bless you. Love you. Hope to see you tonight as we pray for our country.